mom to mom podcast. We're three generations of moms who've experienced nearly every season of motherhood. Of course, we don't have all the answers, but you can be sure that we'll always point you to the one who does. We're pouring a cup of coffee and we're chatting motherhood today. Pull up a chair. We're really glad you're here. Welcome back to the table. This is September and you are listening into our conversation today where we will be discovering the topic of biblical mentorship, how it is vital in the arena of motherhood and how it is often a most neglected topic of conversation. Today, we will share our different perspectives, generational experiences, and we hope that you will find encouragement and some thought-provoking ideas to consider on letting other women into your space. If you are new to the table, we welcome you, and we've decided we're just going to reintroduce ourselves, and I am September McCarthy. I have 10 children, married to the builder for 30 years, and I homeschool. And I am Kate Battistelli. I've been married to Mike for 35 years. I'm the mom of Francesca Battistelli and Grandma Mimi to her four adorable kiddos. And I am Jamie Erickson. I've been married to my college sweetheart for 17 years. I have five kids um, and we also homeschool. Welcome. Today, we hope you will hear more of our heart for motherhood and for you personally. One of the first things I was thinking when we talk about biblical mentorship was, did any of us ever have that aha moment when we realized that we needed other people in our corner to help mentor us or lend us a shoulder or just ask those questions that we don't dare ask when we're gathered around with women at the church nursery or at the park or at the bookstore? Like, did we ever have that moment when we thought, I need a mentor, I need another woman in my life? I, I really knew when our daughter was little, I knew I needed help. My mom didn't live nearby. And, you know, this is, we're talking back in the mid 1980s. So this is back before the internet, before podcasts or social media, when moms had to engage with other moms, we actually had to do it face to face. And also when I began homeschooling, I knew there was no way I could do that without other women showing me the way. I mean, I, I sought out mentors to help me in those things because I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I had this one child with no mom around to guide me and help me. So I was desperate for help. So I did ask. And I think for me, I was a little embarrassed to seek out help because admitting that I needed help or if, if I went looking for a mentor, it felt like I was admitting failure. It actually wasn't until I joined a women's ministry program that had started at my church with the idea of this Titus II mentorship. It wasn't until I joined that group, just because I, I wanted something to do, it was, a, it was a way to get me out of the house. I joined it, and then it was there, sitting at a table with mentors that I realized, wow, this is everything I never knew I always needed, um, sitting with these women who have walked the road beat before me and who have so much to share and I could glean so much from them, but it really took me um, being in it before I knew how much I needed it. I think that happens with a lot of us. You know, I don't know what it is about my personality. It's like a board has to hit me in the, my forehead for me to realize that I need something. But, you know, I was at a stage in motherhood where I had six kids under the age of nine homeschooling. And this is how I realized that I needed 
other people, other women in my life. And it really literally was God had to bring them to my door. I remember the day like it was yesterday and I was um, taking a day off from routine and structure and I let my children stay in their jammies and I had a few in diapers and we were reading and I heard a knock on my door and I thought, well, if I just ignore it, they'll just go away. Who wants to see this mess I have? Dishes in the sink today. It was just one of those days. Well, my little boy who is firstborn, strong extrovert, went to the door and swung it wide open and greeted a woman from my church who um, is now my mentor and has been in my life. And I did not know that I needed that until she came to my door. So I went to the door, had no intentions of allowing her to come in or letting her come in, but she slowly made her way in. And you know what? Her purpose to visit me that day was not to come and tell me what to do or to give me advice or to help me clean my dishes and do my laundry. She sat at my table and, you know, put her arm in my peanut butter and jelly sticky mess on the table. And she never once told me, you could do better. This is what you need. She did not even say to me, how can I help you? She just sat and she held my children. We talked and um, on her way out the door, she must have been looking around my house because she said, I see you have a couple bushel of apples sitting there that you picked with your kids because, you know, I'm an overachiever and I do those kind of things. And I probably would have just never gotten to those apples. And she took them home with her. And I had the hardest time letting her do that, letting her into my space from the very moment she knocked on my door. But that woman left and I realized right then that mentorship doesn't have to be doing and teaching. It can just be letting someone in. Did she bake you an apple pie and bring it back? She, she made all my applesauce. She, she cooked and she cranked and she did all my applesauce, put it in freezer bags and brought it back for me. And now, you know what? Now I do that for other women. I look for the spaces and the things that will not be offensive, but that will be a blessing. And so um, it just makes me think about if there's ever a time, you know, Jamie or Kate, when we've put up a wall of resistance because we didn't want people to see the messy parts of our life. And I think that keeps us from doing that. So talking today, how can we share practical practices of mentorship with our listeners? I never really put up a wall because I knew from the beginning I could not do this thing on my own. I mean, I just, I didn't have family help. I, I had never really dealt with babies and little children. So for me, it was just like, what the heck do I do? I knew I needed help. But I think the way we can practice mentorship today is just ask. You know, ask a younger woman, go where the younger women are, sit by a younger woman at church or Bible study, pray for God to send young women into your lives. Um, press into the women in your neighborhood. Where I am, there's um, a number of empty nesters on our street, but there's also four families with little kids and one of them just had a baby. So it's the perfect opportunity for me to go down and bring like some applesauce or just go and see how, how can I help? Not not that I'm here to advise you or, or change everything you're doing, but just how can I serve you? And I think if that's our attitude, that it's not like I know so much and I'm going to mentor these women, it's I just want to serve them and they're going to serve me too because I'm going to get something back from it. It's not a one-sided relationship. And as somebody in a space who could really continue to use mentorship, 
um, like I said, it's not my natural bent. I, I don't want to admit that I have a need. So if somebody showed up at my door and not strong armed her way in, but just gently invited me in her relationship, that would be so life-giving to me. And, and I'm a big believer that I can't just be mentored to, even though I ha I don't have it all together. My kids are not fully grown. The fruit of my mothering isn't, isn't proved yet. I think there's something biblical, and it's from Titus 2, um, verses 3 through 5. There's something biblical about the idea that no matter where you are on the journey, you should always have a mentor and be a mentor. And I would say the the mentorship level always needs to be three-tiered. I, I heard someone say once that we should always have a mother, a sister, and a daughter in the faith. And, and even if you don't have a, a sister or a, a daughter, um, we're talking about relationships here. So you should have a mother, and that just means that you should be reaching forward always to somebody a little bit further on on the journey, as Kate says, with a depth of years, who's walked the road and has some good things to show you. You should be reaching across to another woman your same age and kind of in that same season who has your similar struggles to just say, hey, I'll hold your hand and and we'll do this together. And then you should always be reaching back to somebody who isn't as far along in the journey and just be an encouragement in whatever way you can. And, and I think if you look to the life of Christ, so much of his mentorship happened in very practical ways. You know, he, he usually met the need in someone's hand before the, he met the need in their heart. And I, I try to keep that in mind as I am um, hopefully being a mother, a sister, and a daughter to others. That is so good. I'm going to remember that. I hope everyone just wrote that down. Um, which makes me think this question comes up a lot in circles of women, especially when we talk about mentorship and people say September, and I'm sure that you've had this conversation in your circles. Do we need to be close to everyone? And the answer is no, I would say, and I'm, I'm really curious what Kate and Jamie have experienced in this area. You know, we, we mentor, we become friends, we have relationships. We're mentoring, you know, in our circles without an official mentorship role. But it is important to have that chosen group of people. Someone told me, September, you need to have five women, like one hand of people that you can go to with um, your intimate, personal prayer requests, praises, someone you can talk to. And if you don't have that, if you're not purposely searching for that, then you're going to be empty and alone and you're going to feel that in reality. But the problem that I experience is that everyone in my circle wants to be close to me or I may want to be close to someone else. And we can't have a tight-knit relationship with everyone. So how do we avoid her feelings? Do we need to be close to everyone? I don't think it's possible to be. I mean, I think God will send people into your lives sometimes just for a season. And it's we're going to really need to let the Holy Spirit lead us in all our relationships, but but particularly the ones you're just not quite sure about. I mean, he's going to let you know when when the grace is lifted and the time is up or, or they move away or whatever. But no, you can't be close to everyone. I mean, Jesus set that example with 12 disciples. And then he was close to, really close to three of them and closest, of course, to John. So I, I, I think, yeah, I don't think it's possible to be. And I don't think we, uh, you, I don't think you'd want to be. 
you know, you're going to just have a few people in your life that you, that you want to pour into you. So my answer would be, it's not possible. Yeah, I think we're called to love and be loving. And I think if we, we remember that true mentorship always happens with an open door, you know, when we invite people into our homes and into our space. And, and that's limiting because we're limited people. I don't have the time to reach out to every single person, but I can reach out to the person that God has put right in front of me in this moment and love her in the way that I'm able to love her in that moment. And to some, that will happen often. And I'll be able to reach out and pour deeply into a few women. But to others, it might just be a passing word of encouragement or a card sent or a meal brought after a baby um, is born. All of that matters. One is not more significant or better than another. But I'm only one person. And I would hope that actually, like September said, if we're all um, pouring deeply into five, maybe, or I don't think there's a magic number, but that's a good one to keep in mind. If we're all pouring deeply into a few, everybody is going to be served and going to be loved in the way that they need to be served and loved. Right. You know, to every great call of ministry or mission, especially in motherhood, there's an obstacle. And a lot of times I hear this, I hear from um, both sides of this equation, which I think is perfect because we're all in different generations here today. I hear this from the younger generation. Well, the older generation um, is quite judgmental. They don't understand why I do things differently. And I'm not quite sure that they really want to be part of my life because that they have said I've done my time. And then the older generation will say, the younger generation doesn't want to hear from me. They don't think I have anything to offer. And I think these are lies that we have believed on both sides of the generation, which has stifled the actual biblical model of mentorship. And it makes me think from each of us who are in the diverse generations, what can we say to one another to break down those barriers and those walls? Mm, that's a tough one because um, the generations are closed off to one another. I see it as a growing trend in the church. I feel like the women in my generation are, we often feel just bewildered and unqualified to mentor. We feel disconnected and irrelevant to the younger generation. They're in, we're intimidated by technology and social media. I have a lot of friends who aren't even on Facebook. They just want nothing to do with it. But that's where the young people are. Um, some of us mistakenly believe if younger women wanted help, they'd ask for it. We, you know, they, we figure, well, I did it myself, so you can figure it out. And that's not a great attitude. Young women might think we're out of touch and we have nothing to offer them. But the thing is, you need my wisdom and I need your fresh perspective, younger girl. You know, um, we're out of touch. They think we don't understand their world. And, I, and the other thing I see a lot, especially in the church, is the generations are deliberately separated. We have events and functions that are, you know, this is for the empty nesters and this is for the millennials. And, and I, I think that's a mistake. Um, here's the thing. What I've learned is the generations desperately need each other. I ask younger women all the time, do you have somebody that's mentoring you? And typically the answer is no. And I ask them, do you want that? And they, they nine times out of 10 say we are desperate for it. So they do need our voice. And, but we also need to get out of our comfort zone because you do get to a certain age where you're kind of like been there, done that, you know, I, I'm, 
I'm fine with all this. But Paul in Titus 2, he's not suggesting that the older women teach the younger. He's commanding us to do this. This is biblical to be a mentor, especially for my generation, which is 60 and up. Um, we we need to be doing this. It's I think it's it's disobedient not to. So somewhere we need to find this common ground where where we can. And there are going to be things we're not going to know. There are there is technology. There's a lot of stuff that confuses me, and I'm pretty good at all these things. But you know I can learn more, and I'm going to get a lot of just refreshing and um, wisdom and and a, a new perspective when I'm with younger women. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Kate. And I would say from a younger woman's perspective, that's a command of, for us too, that we are to to listen in and to lean into that that mentorship. Even if we feel like, oh, it's outdated or it doesn't apply, um, it is a command whether we like it or not on both sides of the table. And I would just challenge um, our young mom listeners it's really easy, and I'll just speak from my own personal experience. I won't um, talk into your experience, but it's really easy for me to go online and find a mentor that um, meets every need that I have and says all the things that I want to hear. I can order up a mentor online like I order up a Happy Meal, and I can pick and choose the voices I want to listen to. But you know, online mentorship, while I think it it is a gift and can be a gift, especially if you're in a very isolated community or you don't have um, mothers and sisters and daughters in the faith to pour into immediately, it definitely has a purpose. But I think we have to reach beyond online mentorship to real life um, human beings, real life women, because what happens is when we only see mentors online. It's a very two-dimensional space. We don't actually get to see all the messy parts of their lives. We don't get to see their struggles. We only get to see the things they're wanting to share or willing to share. And I think we need a balance of both. They have to be able to see our messy parts too. In looking to somebody online, you're not really revealing or being vulnerable enough to share all the parts that you're struggling with, or even all your successes and having somebody cheer from the sidelines. I think we have to step out of two-dimensional mentorship and into real three-dimensional human being relationships with mothers and sisters and daughters. And that's just a challenge for me. I have to be mindful of it that I can't just live all of my, um, all of my life online. I have to reach out to my real life community. Jamie, you are so right about needing to step away sometimes from the online relationships that we've chosen specifically to mentor us in the ways that we need. But what are some practical and personal ways that we can mentor women to invest into our lives? Well, I think um, what has been really helpful for me, I'll just let you know that I have two women who in real life have been my mentors for over a dozen years. And they're both very different women. They have very different personalities. But the common thread that I see in both of them um, that seem to really be a balm for me in my own life is that they don't offer me their personal opinions. I can't think of a time where either one of them have done that. They both tackle it differently and it looks differently um, as they're mentoring me. But that is a commonality. They don't offer opinions or advice. 
in light of the first one, she doesn't offer her opinion, but what she does do is she always points me back to scripture. Whenever I have a question, even if it's something practical, like, will this baby ever learn to potty train? She always gives me truth from the gospel and I can't refute truth. So I can't ever be offended by what she says or think, oh, that's so outdated. How is that even going to apply to my life? Because it does apply. It's God's word and it breathes life into my days. And it actually on the on the giving end of it, she doesn't have to feel guilty for maybe offering me the wrong word or the wrong advice because God's word will never return void. So she doesn't offer me her opinion. She always offers me scripture. What it looks like with my other mentor, she also doesn't offer me opinions, but she always asks me really great questions. She doesn't want to just be the talking head that pours out all kinds of information. Um, She wants me to be drawn to the right conclusion all by myself. I think she understands that in coming to the conclusion myself, I actually own it and it becomes mine. And so she has just learned to ask some really great questions. So I might ask her a question and she'll have two or three other questions to ask back to me. And I have to dig deeply to find those answers. But once I do, that answer is mine and I use it and I take it and I own it. It doesn't feel like she's preaching to me. Maybe that's the key. That I never feel preached at. I'm just given scripture. And through the scripture, I'm also given love. Right. I that's perfect, Jamie, because we need those practical steps, these takeaways from our friends, from the other women in our life. We don't want to just hear about everything that they've done for themselves because we're all living different lives. Yeah, I would say that um, to keep that in mind, that you can't both on the receiving and the giving end of of mentorship, you can't lay your life over someone else's as a template. You can't just assume that the way you parented will be the, you know, the golden ticket to the way somebody else should parent because you have different kids than they do and you have a different spouse, you have a different um, household. And so really it's not laying your experiences over someone else's. It's just pointing them back to God's word and allowing the Holy Spirit to direct them. Amen. Kate, what do you think are some practical grace-filled ways for you to let other women know you're there for them? And I, and I say that really carefully grace-filled because, um, you know, we don't want to come across as having it all together and we don't want women to think that about us. So how do we do that? I think you just start talking to them. I think if your motive is to build a relationship with no agenda or ulterior motive, just because, hey, that's somebody I'm just drawn to and and I like and want to just go have coffee with. It's I try to keep it really simple where if I have coffee with you, I'm going to ask you about you. What's going on in your life? What are your, your hopes and dreams? You know what I mean? So that So that I'm just building that relationship. And then when you ask someone how you can pray for them, that can often open the floodgates. And I think that um, if we're not afraid to step out of our comfort zone, to go where the need is, to just just be willing to be, just be a willing vessel, you know, just without, without like Jamie was saying, without trying to give your opinion, without trying to put your life, you know, lay your life over theirs, because it's different. And most of the girls that I mentor have very, are in very different seasons of life than I am. So I just want to... I just want to let them know I'm there. How can I serve you? How can I pray for you? How can I be a part of your life? 
You know, I love that because I think if all of us were to sit and ask ourselves just today, the three of us, when was the last time someone said to us personally, how are you? Like, how are you really doing? I mean, doesn't that just like make your heart melt? Like I, we want to tell someone we, and we talk to the Lord, but we want to say, you know, I'm feeling tired and I'm kind of discouraged and I'm struggling with this. And could you pray for me? And what do I do? And so sometimes that question is really a, just a simple way to integrate into everyday mentoring. And so I love, I love that Kate. Um, but the big question that all of us are waiting for today is how do we know when to trust someone else and how do we know when it's okay to allow other people into our space? I don't think we can know, I've, but God knows and he will be faithful to show you if you, if you just bring that potential relationship to him in prayer. Um, you know, we, we don't know, we don't, God knows he sees everything. So he's going to know, and he's going to give you that check in your spirit. If yep, nope, don't, don't walk down that road, but just be willing to be vulnerable because you might get hurt. But on the other hand, you might change a life for eternity. So I, I, I would rather risk being hurt than not stepping out and not being able to have, you know, to, to know that, Hey, something that I did or something that I said changed somebody's, changed their trajectory, gave them a faith and a belief in themselves. I was able to call out that dream or whatever. So I think you just, you have to use wisdom. You have to pray. You have to let the Holy Spirit lead you, but you can't ever fully know when to trust. Yeah, I don't think it's a question of when. I think it's a question of how, and that's going to look different depending upon what season of life you're in and what what you're able to offer, what your your gifts are and what their needs are. I think every believer in every discipleship relationship is called to be vulnerable. And as 1 Corinthians 13, 7 reminds us, we're supposed to um, consider the best in each other. And so sometimes as a younger mom, I might get offended by what my mentor says um, or does, but I have to consider that what she is saying, she has my best interest at heart. She's just a, a fallen imperfect person, just as I am a fallen imperfect person. And she's not going to do everything correct. I'm not going to do everything correct. So I just have to consider that um, she really does love me and have you know, my best interest at heart. So I don't think it's necessarily when I think we're always called to, um, love in this way and it's going to look differently, but I think, um, it, it's a command. So before we close today, I was just thinking about the two things that keep all women most likely, I think from, entering into some type of mentor relationship. And I think the first thing is comparison, which I think we're going to talk about in our future podcast. It's like a whole entire podcast and the danger and trap of comparison. But I think this keeps us from approaching someone else. Someone might say, oh, you know, September McCarthy, she has 10 kids and she homeschools. She's a life, nothing like me. One of my good friends, Lisa Jo Baker, she, she and I were together at a conference and she took the stage and she said, September McCarthy and I are nothing alike, but I learned from her. And I was like, that is such a true statement that all women needed to hear because comparison can keep you isolated. 
And I think the other thing that keeps us from entering into a valuable biblical relationship is thinking that we don't need anyone else, that we can do this all by ourselves. And that's another entire podcast topic that we're going to talk about is um, not doing motherhood alone. Uh, to close today, we're just going to do something fun and we're going to go through some questions so you can get to know us even better. Kate, exercise, love, hate relationship. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Both. I love it. I like to sweat. I know I'm weird. Well, I love being healthy, but I hate the process of getting there. So I guess I'm a little bit of both. Yeah, I hear you. But you know that walking, like Kate and I said in our previous podcast, walking is so good for my mind. So I do it. I don't know if it's exercise for my body, but it's definitely exercise for my soul. Um, so beach or mountain? I am a beach girl. I am a beach girl. I'm a flatlander. Mountains scare me. Don't make me drive up in them. I'll, I'll look at them from afar and gaze on their beauty, but I don't want to go in them. And I'm definitely a mountain girl because bathing suits have never been a friend of mine. <laughs> okay, girls, maybe someone listening today is home and they are strong and introverts and this whole biblical mentorship thing is scary and frightening because reaching out to someone, you're an introvert, it's hard for you to do. But take comfort in this. I'm an introvert and Kate? I'm an extrovert. Mm -hmm. But I like my alone time. Mm -hmm. And I sit right in the middle as an ambervert. But here we are together talking around the table. So we hope that you were encouraged today with our discussion and our talk around this Titus 2 topic of biblical mentorship. You know, we're real women in every way and every day, just like you. We're excited to talk with Kate next time about the power of a parent's words if you haven't joined as a subscriber yet, don't miss the free printable download we have for every new subscriber. So check out momtomompodcast.com. Thank you for joining us today around the table. And we want you to be brave. We just encourage you, be brave, reach out, let someone else into your space because we are cheering you on.